back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on Tuesday, November the 23rd, 2021. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you here on the pod. If you're traveling this week, certainly hope in advance of the Thanksgiving holiday you have a safe journey wherever you and yours may be headed. Um, we got a lot to get into on the podcast as we get you ready for the rest of the week as it relates to University of Alabama athletics. You know, Thanksgiving, I think it rates atop the holiday power rankings for most of us. And a lot of that has to do with it simply being, as much as anything, the carb Olympics. Yeah, look, there is the fellowship. There is the gathering of families, the giving of thanks. I get all that. I appreciate all that. I'm big into all of that, the traditions of Thanksgiving. But at the end of the day, it comes down to that plate, right? About 2 o'clock on Thursday afternoon. That's what it's going to come down to. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a tough one for me because I'm not a big, I'm not a big cranberry guy, not a big sweet potato or pumpkin guy, not much of a casserole guy for that matter, green bean casserole, squash casserole, broccoli casserole. In other words, if you are putting cream of soup of some kind, cream of mushroom soup of some kind into it, I'm probably not the biggest fan of it. But absolutely, there's still going to be so many great options between the bird. Do you throw a ham in? You know, that's a little bit of a debate that you have on an annual basis. Does a ham have a place on the Thanksgiving spread? You know what we do the day after Thanksgiving? We go steak dinner, or we do a steak of some kind on Friday uh, after Thanksgiving. I know that's sort of sacrilege when you consider all the leftovers, but look, we take care of those two between turkey soup, turkey sandwiches. You can have all the turkey you want. I'll tell you some of the sides that are non-negotiables for me at least, and it has mostly to do with probably bread as much as anything else, and that cast iron skillet cornbread with buttermilk, Walker County cornbread is what I refer to it as. My late maternal grandmother, God rest her soul, the beautiful Janelle Dumas from the Jasper, Alabama area. Miss her so much and really miss her uh, her buttermilk cast iron skillet cornbread. Just can't seem to get that like I used to. But again, hope you have a great holiday coming up. You're going to have a lot of football. You're going to have a lot of basketball. We're going to get into some Alabama men's hoops as we move throughout the podcast this morning. And, you know, you've got some players of the week from the Arkansas game for the Alabama football team, both in terms of the national perspective the regional perspective, and then right there also in terms of what the Alabama coaching staff presents to you on a weekly basis, 10 players of the week from the Alabama coaching staff. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball. John Mechie at the wide receiver position, 14 targets for the wide receiver. He ends up with 10 receptions for 173 yards. That's a season high for John Mechie. And when you talk about just catches of 20 yards or for 20 yards or more for John Mechie, it was sort of a breakout performance this season for him from that perspective. I believe it was five catches, somewhere in the neighborhood of five catches of 20 yards or more for John Mechie. Jamison Williams, obviously, with a big performance in his own right on the offensive side of the ball. He, too, took home 
Alabama Player of the Week honors on the offensive side of the football, a career-best 190 yards, scoring catches from 32, 40, and 79 yards. And when you talk about guys in the Southeastern Conference with catches of 50 yards or more this season, no one, no one is ahead of the Ohio State transfer in that regard. And as noted in the time after Saturday's game, that 79-yarder for Jamison Williams on Saturday pushed him to the top of the list in terms of Alabama players in program history to record four scores of 75 yards or more in the same season. So Jamison Williams with a pretty nice feather in his cap from that perspective. Evan Neal at the offensive tackle position, also a UA offensive player of the week, did not allow a sack or a pressure on 40 pass attempts. Uh, tied his season high for knockdown blocks with six in Alabama, racked up 671 total yards, thanks in part to the work there of Evan Neal at the left tackle position. Bryce Young, of course, going to qualify for one of these uh, designations as well as an Offensive Player of the Week, not only from the team perspective, but also from the SEC office. Bryce with 559 passing yards, a new school record, broke the school record for passing yards in the game. 13 completions of 20 yards or more. Had touchdown passes of 20, 79, 32, and 40 yards away. So four offensive players, actually five. I need to tell you about Brian Robinson as well. His fourth 100-yard game of the season, 122 yards on 27 carries. He had three catches for 18 yards. Did a nice job in pass protection as well. Did the super senior Brian Robinson. Defensively, a rubber stamp guy and Will Anderson once again. You know, Will with 11 more tackles. In in his last two SEC games, he's had 24 total tackles. So, whereas we continue to sort of be in awe of his tackle for loss and sack production this season, and we should be, for an outside linebacker, and we'll get more into this maybe a little bit later in the podcast when we start discussing the potential for some national individual awards of significance you know, to have the tackle total that he has, pretty amazing for an outside guy. Three and a half more tackles for a loss for Will Anderson in the win over Arkansas. He had a sack. Um, continues again, this, this onslaught of negative play production does the sophomore outside linebacker. Fedarian Mathis continues a very strong swan song season for the defensive lineman. Uh, five tackles in the game. Seems like every week we're talking about Fedarian Mathis as a leader of that defensive line and stops. Had another tackle for loss uh, in the game. Had a quarterback hurry. So Fedarian Mathis once again on that list of UA Players of the Week. Henry Toa not only a UA Defensive Player of the Week, but also a Walter Camp Award Defensive Player of the Week. Walter Camp Foundation Led the Crimson Tide in tackles. Second time this season, he's had 13 stops in a game. And new Alabama highs for Henry Toa Toa when you're talking about tackles for loss with three and then also two sacks. One of those coming off an intentional grounding penalty on Arkansas quarterback K.J. Jefferson. Special teams, Demoy Kennedy, the second-year linebacker slash running back. We've seen him in both roles 
but primarily on special teams to this point of his Alabama career. Um, did a nice job, was recognized by the Alabama coaching staff in that regard. And then also, when you talk about Will Reichert, he had 10 points in the game, a couple field goals, one from 48, another from 30. Did miss from 47, but did a nice job once again in terms of PATs and a couple of field goals. Five touchbacks on eight kickoffs. So those were your 10 Alabama players of the week for the Arkansas game last Saturday afternoon at Bryant-Denny Stadium. On Monday, we also heard from Nick Saban, head coach of the Crimson Tide. Of course, with it being Auburn week, he was asked about some of the struggles that the Crimson Tide has had down there in his sort of own personal house of horrors down on the Plains. And really, you can go back to Nick Saban's first year, and you talk about crazy bounces, crazy plays. I can even go back to 2007, and if you recall the first trip for the Alabama Crimson Tide under Saban, remember the play with D.J. Hall in the corner of the end zone? It looks like it's going to be a touchdown, but it goes off D.J. Hall's hands and ends up going for an interception. That goes down as an Alabama loss in 2007. Of course, you recall the events of 2013. We don't even have to go back over those, do we? Um, 2019, you had a couple pick sixes for the Auburn defense, including one that went off the back of Najee Harris, kind of similar when you think about the DJ Hall play in 2017, both looked like they were going to be Alabama touchdowns. Both were intended for receivers wearing the number 22, DJ Hall in 22, Najee Harris in 22. Instead, both go for turnovers in the case of Najee. That one went all the way back for a pick six. So a lot of crazy stuff has happened down there. Alabama, it needs to be said, has provided opportunities in some of those games, though, to allow Auburn to hang around enough for those plays to be impactful. Now, 2017, that was pretty much a thorough Auburn win over that Alabama team. Even in that game, though, you were left to wonder, what if Nick Saban and the offensive staff goes to Tua Tonga-Vailoa in that game as it did a few weeks later, about a month or so, I guess, month and a half later it was, in Atlanta against Georgia in the 2018 College Football Playoff National Championship game. So haunting, I guess, the best way to describe the Alabama trips, four losses in the Nick Saban era down there at Jordan-Hare. We'll talk more about that matchup throughout the week right there at BamaOnline.com. We'll get you ready for it. Auburn, of course, in backup quarterback mode with T.J. Finley taking over for the injured Bo Nix. How about Bo with some comments on Monday about the officials just absolutely loving up the Alabama Crimson Tide? Yeah, Bo won't play on Saturday, but Bo's got plenty of commentary in the lead up to the game. You love it. Add some needed juice because look, we're talking about an Auburn team on the field that isn't giving the game what it needs from that perspective, right? This is an Auburn team with a loss on Saturdays looking at an O for November and a six and six record and a trip to maybe Birmingham. I don't know. Does the SEC even still, is it still even tied into the Birmingham bowl or the, uh, the game there in Birmingham, I don't even know. You know, I cover Alabama. I, I wouldn't know about that. But, no, it's uh, it's some needed juice, I think. The game doesn't have a lot of spice. The SEC West has been settled. But, look, 
from the Alabama standpoint, it's still a critical game. I know having a lot of fun this week if you're an Alabama fan. Game doesn't matter. Game doesn't matter. Well, it does matter because if you lose this game, any chance of maybe losing a close game to Georgia a week from Saturday and still making it into the four-team college football playoff field is going to go out the window. So definitely a lot on the line from where Alabama sits on Saturday. And look, as much as anything, you need a complete performance to sort of propel yourself into that game against Georgia because – As we know, consistency has eluded this Alabama team on a weekly basis. So even from a psyche perspective, and not just from the team's side of that, but the fan base, I think the fan base could stand seeing a wire-to-wire type performance from this Alabama team in advance of the SEC championship game as much as anybody else. Nick Saban was asked about Jamison Williams and also John Mechie and their play on Monday, and obviously you're talking about a couple of guys. Barring an injury to John Mechie, you're going to have two 1,000-yard receivers in this offense. Jamison Williams is already there. John Mechie on the cusp of 1,000 yards after surpassing 900 yards a year ago. John Mechie has a chance to be a 2,000-yard receiver the last two seasons uh, here in the next little bit. So, you know, those guys have obviously been staples, and Mechie has come on more and more in the last month and a half or two. Williams has been pretty much explosive and dynamic throughout the season. You know, but when you think about it, in the preseason, you consider what expectations were for that third receiver. And when I say that, I'm not talking about just in terms of a wide receiver, just a third guy. And a lot of the thought was that it would be Jalil Billingsley. Maybe even Jalil Billingsley is the number two guy. It hasn't played out that way. Now, you look at Cameron Latou, you look at Jalil Billingsley, you put their numbers together, you're talking about 31 catches for a little bit less than 500 total yards, nine touchdowns uh, catches between the two. So, put their numbers together and you get a little bit closer to what you saw from Irv Smith Jr. say back in 2018. But again, consistency in the middle of the rotation or in the middle of the receiving core in general hasn't been a real feather in the cap for this Alabama passing attack. Uh, Slade Bolden has been solid. I think Slade's given you about what you would have expected in terms of numbers, but You know, listening to Nick Saban on Monday, I found myself thinking more toward next year, and not because this team doesn't still have a lot left in front of it this season. Obviously, it does, but when you start thinking ahead to an offseason in which John Mechie, Jamison Williams could both make their way to the NFL, you're considering a position at that point where, in terms of documented production, Alabama wouldn't be bringing back a true number one type as far as production goes, not in terms of potential or talent or recruiting rankings or all those things, but even with Devontae Smith moving on after last season and Jalen Waddell moving on after last season, you were returning a 900-plus yard receiver in John Mechie. If Mechie and Williams both go, after this season, you're not going to have anything close to that. So 
What about Ajay Hall? What about Ja'Cory Brooks? What about JoJo Earl? What about the 2020 guys, Javon Baker, Treshawn Holden, uh, that class? And when you combine those two classes, on paper at least, you felt really good about that next wave of wide receivers. And it may still prove to be the case that between those two classes, you get the three or four guys that you need to emerge. You've seen more of Ja'Cory Brooks here. In the last couple weeks, saw him early against Arkansas last Saturday. He did a nice job on a swing pass to Mechie, blocking on the perimeter. That's a good way to get yourself some more reps if you're Ja'Cory Brooks. But Christian Leary you consider in that mix as well. Saw him catch a touchdown pass against Arkansas on Saturday, swinging out of the backfield kind of in a safety valve mode out there in the right flat. So player development, wide receiver development, that's something we're going to get a better grasp of as we move not only through this recruiting cycle, but perhaps similar to a year ago or earlier this year, I guess you could say, what that group looks like going into spring practice and what that group looks like coming out. You could have Alabama among the buyers in the transfer portal market. When you get into late April and May, which was the case this last time around, and boy, you think about how fortunate Alabama was to be able to bring in Jamison Williams and get the production they have out of him, just uh, absolutely critical to this team's chances, not only just in terms of offensive football, uh, but in terms of being in the mix for a college football playoff spot once again. Nick Saban on Monday was also asked about Josh Job, the veteran cornerback who left the game against Arkansas there in the second half. I think it was late third quarter. Um, you saw Kool-Aid McKinstry, the true freshman, come on and replace Josh Job. And Nick Saban was asked, was it a case where, as we had heard in some previous weeks, that maybe there was a turf toe situation that Josh Job continued to deal with in that game? Maybe that had something to do with the change. But based on Nick Saban's comments, didn't sound as much like that was the case. Saban saying on Monday that Josh practiced well throughout the week. Again, though, that doesn't mean that it's not a lingering issue. But what you don't like to hear from Nick Saban in relation to a fourth-year corner who has two years of starting experience is that perhaps he's battling some issues where confidence and frustration is involved because that's been an issue for Josh Job in the past. That's been as much of a hurdle for him in previous years as anything to do anything that could do with physical attributes or the ability to play the position from that perspective it's been more about the need to mature overcome some personal things uh, and you felt pretty good about him doing that but based on Nick Saban's comments on Monday I don't know what you should expect in terms of your first team corners against Auburn on Saturday afternoon I think Jalen Armour Davis is going to be at that right corner position yeah, the right corner position, but left corner, is it going to be Josh Job, Or do you go ahead and you start making the move to Kool-Aid McKinstry? And for that matter, although he didn't talk about it on Monday, it'll be interesting to see who starts at the star position at that slot corner for Alabama after seeing Brian Branch replace Malachi Moore in game against Arkansas. Questions aplenty there 
in that Alabama secondary. As for the offensive line, Nick Saban was asked about that unit on Monday as well. And again, Saban sounded as if the group that you saw on the field against Arkansas, for the most part, Chris Owens had to come on after an equipment malfunction for Damian George there. I believe it was in the second half, perhaps, maybe the third quarter. Just a little bit of uh, Chris Owens at right tackle. Sounds like it's going to be that same five uh, that was on the field against Arkansas. And, um, you know, this is an Auburn defensive line, an Auburn front seven coming up. Ranks in the top half of the SEC as far as tackles for loss go. So early down is going to be something to keep an eye on. But in terms of sacks, not a group that ranks in that top half of the SEC when it comes to getting after the quarterback. I think we all know, though, that Auburn's going to do what we saw LSU do, what Arkansas do more than it typically does, and that's likely bring some numbers, bring some guys, bring some extra pass rushers when it comes to getting after Bryce Young. And we talk about Bryce Young. What about the milestones for this offense coming up? We mentioned the pair of 1,000-yard receivers it looks like Alabama's going to have once again, for the second time in three years. But Bryce Young on his way to becoming a 4,000-yard passer, a 40-TD guy. That'll be the fourth straight year that Alabama, as an offense at least, has passed for more than 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. The 2,000-yard receivers, a 1,000-yard rusher, Alabama is on the verge of having for a sixth time in the last seven years, Najee Harris, of course, the two previous years accomplished the feat. And 45-plus points per game for a fourth season. We talked about that with Charlie Potter here on the podcast. Back in the preseason, the viability of Alabama offensively and as a team being that productive where points are concerned wasn't really sold on it, thought it might be more somewhere in the high 30s when it was all said and done, but here they are once again with a chance to be a 45-plus point-per-game offense and team for for a fourth straight season. And we mentioned the individual awards that are out there for this team. Thought it was interesting on Monday. You probably saw this on your social media timelines. No Will Anderson. On the Buckus Award finalist list, the annual award that goes to the nation's top linebacker does not include Will Anderson as a finalist. And there was some talk on social media. Well, you know, Will isn't, he's kind of a hybrid, which he is. Yeah, he plays with his hand on the ground a good bit. But all that sort of flies out the window when you consider that Will Anderson, again, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, is a guy with 78 total tackles in 11 games. He ranks second on the team in tackles, and he's not all that far behind Henry Toa Toa for the lead. So this isn't some just pass rush specialist that gets after the quarterback and essentially makes his money on third down. This is an every-down dude. Alabama's had some other outside linebackers that I think could have fit that mold. Ryan Anderson, I think, could have survived inside. Anthony Jennings, from time to time, you would see Ryan Anderson and Anthony Jennings, especially in the Dime Rabbits lineup inside. Well, 
Here's the thing about Will Anderson. I don't think he would be limited to just one package. If you wanted to play him at Mike in the base, the nickel, and the dime, he would be a 100-tackle guy probably by this point of the season, 11 games in. Uh, you know, he's not Tim Williams. He's not more of just a pass rusher. And you got to have those guys. You got to have the Tim Williams. You got to have the Christopher Allens. Uh, but Will Anderson is the epitome of a total linebacker. You know, obviously, Dick Buckus is representative of the Dick Buckus Award. Um, but uh, for me right now, when I think linebacker in college football, whether we're talking Jack, whether we're talking Sam, Mike, Will, I think of, well, I think of Will Anderson. Again, I think he could play any spot. He has the instincts. He has the awareness of those around him, his work rate, his every down ability. That's Will Anderson. And it translates to the linebacker position in general. As far as the Heisman Trophy goes, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State coming off a monster performance against Michigan State on Saturday. Vegas now. Last check, anyway, has C.J. Stroud vaulting to the top spot among Heisman Trophy uh, candidates with Bryce Young up next. Throw for a school record 559 yards, and you're no longer the Heisman Trophy candidate favorite. Look, the stages are still there for both those guys. I've said it for a week or so now when there was sort of this debate about who had the best stage, who had the best opportunities left to make a case for the Heisman Trophy, that's still the case for Bryce. You still have an Auburn game, understanding Auburn is circling the drain at this point in the season, but plenty of attention will be on the Iron Bowl Saturday, so that won't be an issue. And then, take care of business on the Plains, you get Georgia on what might end up being the biggest of all stages this college football season. So I don't think that's going to be a problem for Bryce. And if he continues to play even somewhat like he has on a consistent basis throughout the season, I think he'll be just fine as long as Alabama wins out between now and that first Monday in December, which is when Heisman Trophy voters are going to hold on to those precious votes. And I think, how many Heisman Trophy voters are there now? Like 75,000? I mean... I don't have a vote, so I guess I can't say too much, but yeah, a lot of folks going to hang on to those votes until the conference championship games are complete. We're going to take a break here on the Bama Online Podcast. When we come back, we're going to get into some basketball talk. The Alabama men's hoops team headed down, headed down to Disney for some holiday hoops, some Thanksgiving hoops coming up this weekend. We'll get into some of that. When the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. Travis Ryer here with a reminder to check out the newest sponsor for the Bama Online Podcast, Home Field Apparel. Go to Home Field Apparel for the very best in UA apparel. That's where you're going to find it, homefieldapparel.com. They've got the vintage gear that is so popular these days and a big Black Friday sale coming up at homefieldapparel.com. You can take advantage by getting 20% off during the duration of the sale, which runs from Friday, November the 26th, to Monday, November the 29th. And either way, you're going to get 15% off your initial 
purchase at homefieldapparel.com by inputting Bama247 at checkout. Once again, a warm welcome to the newest sponsor of the Bama Online Podcast, Homefield Apparel. Our Alabama assistant worked under Dabo Sweeney, worked at uh, Clemson, then made his way to Tuscaloosa. He's climbed the ladder quite nicely, has Billy Napier. Is he going to be the latest former Nick Saban assistant to take over in Gainesville? Of course, Jim McElwain and Will Muschamp took their shots down there in Hogtown. Didn't didn't go so well for either of those guys. Um, But as far as football coming up this weekend, we got Thursday football in the SEC with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. We've got Friday football in the SEC with Missouri at Arkansas, and then, of course, a full slate on Saturday as well. And we got some really good holiday hoops coming up down in Central Florida. The Alabama men's team, ranked 10th in the latest AP poll, headed down to Buena Vista. I guess it is officially. It is the arena there on the uh, HP Fieldhouse, I believe it is on the Disney Athletic Facility campus. I've been down there probably more than I would like. Look, I love my kids, all right? I love them. But I've been down to that facility for soccer, club soccer tournaments. I've been down there for AAU basketball tournaments. So I'm good. I'm good on the Disney Athletic Facility. But Alabama will be there this weekend, starting on Thursday with a four-central tip against the Gales of Iona, Rick Patino's Gales of Iona. Iona 5-0 following wins over last weekend against Liberty and North Alabama in the Mid-American Athletic Conference ASUN Challenge. Didn't know they had that type of challenge. Hey, good for them. But apparently it happened last weekend. I wonder if Iona's just posting up down in the Orlando area. They were just down there last weekend. I mean, I know they've got nonstop flights back to New York City from Orlando, but uh, you never know with Patino. He may have them just at the uh, the uh, the Polynesian Resort. I guess we could get into a whole thing right now about ranking the resorts on Disney property. I'm old school, so the Polynesian resonates with me. I know they've you know, gone to some some newer, more modernistic sort of facilities down there on the Disney property. But the Polynesian, man, when I was a kid, that was about as cool as it got. Anyway, Alabama and Iona, Thursday afternoon, Thanksgiving afternoon, 4th Central. And again, this is a rematch from the NCAA tournament back in March. Uh, it should feel like a home court situation for Iona after playing a couple of games down there last weekend. Will there be much carryover, you wonder, from the matchup in the NCAA tournament between these teams and this game? Alabama, a 13-point winner at Hinkle Fieldhouse in Indianapolis in the NCAA tournament. No Isaiah Ross, no Asante Gist for Iona in this one, though. The duo combined to score 35 of Iona's 55 points in that tournament game. Nellie Joseph is back. He's a starter on this team, and he's currently leading the Gales in scoring at 16.6 per game. Alabama, Herb Jones gone. 
John Petty gone, Alex Reese gone. Those three guys, led by Herb's 20 in that last game against Iona, combined for 36 points between them. The winner of Thursday's game is going to advance to a Friday semifinal against the winner of Drake and Belmont. Saturday's an off day at the tournament, at the event down there in Buena Vista. And then Sunday you'll have final day action with the potential for Alabama and Kansas in a championship game there at the ESPN Events Invitational. So you got some good hoops coming up. You got some good food. You got some good football. Should be a great, great few days on the sports scene as you share it with loved ones, hopefully, on the Thanksgiving holiday. Hey, once again, want to thank our newest sponsor to the Bama Online Podcast, Home Field Apparel. Homefieldapparel.com is where you want to go for all the best apparel for gear where it comes to the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's where you're going to find it at homefieldapparel.com. They've got the Black Friday sale that's running from this Friday through next Monday, the 26th through the 29th. You're going to be able to get 20% off your purchases as a part of the Black Friday sale at Home Field Apparel. Look, I'm not saying it's going to work, but I can give you a way to get another 15% off. I'm not sure if you can stack the discounts, but I damn sure try, right? If you're a first-time customer there at Home Field Apparel, on that initial purchase, if you'll enter BAMA247 as the code there at checkout, you'll get 15% off your first purchase. So I'm thinking if you go into the website on Friday through Monday of next week, you're going to get the 20% off the Black Friday sale. Then at checkout as a first-time customer – Put in Bama 247 and see if it'll throw that extra 15% off. If it does, you're talking about 35% off. And all the kids are crazy about the vintage gear these days, the retro gear. I've got three young adult children of my own. They absolutely love it. Some really cool retro Big Al logo stuff for you there where Alabama is concerned at homefieldapparel.com. Check it out today. That's going to do it for the latest edition of the Bama Online Podcast. Once again, thanking you so much for joining us here on the pod. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online Podcast? Simple as a click or two. If you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would greatly appreciate that as well. And of course, you want to hang out with us right there at BamaOnline.com. Come chill on the roundtable, the premium message board choi- of choice for Alabama fran- fans around the globe. Travis Schreier, once again, have a great holiday, everybody. We'll catch you again right here on the podcast and see you at BamaOnline.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.